Hello, friends. Welcome to episode number 26 of Ray Keating's Authors and Entrepreneurs Podcast. In this episode, we will talk about the great Stanley of Marvel Comics, who passed away, unfortunately, on November 12th, the age of 95. Before we dive in, by the way of introduction, I'm Ray Keating, your host and the author of the Pastor Stephen Grant novels. You know, I've been fortunate that uh, 2018 has turned out to be one of my most productive years, actually, as a book author. Uh, including three new Pastor Stephen Grant installments. Uh, Reagan Country, a full novel, Pastor Stephen Grant novel, and two short stories, Heroes and Villains, and the brand new Shifting Sands. So now I've published ten Pastor Stephen Grant mysteries and thrillers. All are available in paperback and for the Kindle at Amazon.com. Also, signed books are on sale, actually, over at RayKeatingOnline.com, and they make for great Christmas gifts. I also just published <clears throat> the Realistic Optimist to-do list and calendar 2019. Uh, we talked about that in the last episode, and it's available at Amazon.com and also at RayKeatingOnline.com if you'd like signed copies. And that book is is really quite different from my previous books. Uh, perhaps it's you know more a productivity tool than a traditional book. Um, I use it to better organize my life and get things done, and I believe others can benefit from it as well. Uh, the point is to help you get organized, make things happen, and hopefully be inspired throughout the year. And again, they make great Christmas gifts. Uh, in addition, you can check out Chuck versus the Business World, Business Tips on TV, based on the TV show Chuck, and it's jam-packed with tips for your career. And it's also available in paperback and for the Kindle at Amazon.com and signed copies at RayKeatingOnline.com. Also, I'm the editor, publisher, and columnist of a website, DisneyBizJournal.com, which serves up news and analysis, uh, commentary, uh, reviews of the Disney entertainment business. Uh, So please visit DisneyBizJournal.com and like us on Facebook. I'm also an economist, and I taught MBA students for 10 years about entrepreneurship, the economy, and assorted management topics. And while this podcast is mainly targeted at readers and book lovers in general, authors, aspiring authors, entrepreneurs, and aspiring entrepreneurs, everyone is, of course, welcome to tune in. So, authors and entrepreneurs certainly can learn a lot um, from Stanley, and we're going to get to that in a minute, but first we need to talk about uh, Lee's impact and influence. Now, I never met Stanley, but I certainly was sad to hear of his passing because he did have a very real impact on my life, along with millions of others. For me, you know, I often tell people, they ask me, you know, how did you start writing or thinking about writing and who influenced you? And early on for me, in terms of thrillers, Tom Clancy was really my introduction, but before there was Tom Clancy, there was Stan Lee. Um, You know, growing up, uh, Captain America and the Avengers, those comic books got me reading. Um, Of course, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby created uh, Captain America back in March of 1941. Interestingly, Stan Lee's first comic book, the first one that he wrote, was a Captain America comic book. Um, And of course, he brought back... Uh, Captain America in Avengers issue number four, which was in March 1964. So Stanley uh, and Marvel Comics made me a reader. That is, they really instilled in me a true love of reading. And that obviously paved the way for my journey 
of reading all sorts of things, thrillers and other types of fiction, <clears throat> economics, history, theology, and much, much more. And therefore, you know, I would have to say that Stan Lee and his creations played a role in my becoming a writer. Um, because being a reader, uh, you have to be a reader first before you can really be a writer. Um, you know, I had a little salute or a tip of the hat uh, in the my short, first short story that I wrote that was out this year, published this year, Heroes and Villains. I made one of the characters, an FBI special agent, uh, a fan of Captain America, and the issue, actually, of Avengers number four, uh, where Captain America makes his comeback, if you will, uh, plays a part in that Heroes and Villains uh, story. Now, uh, I'm not unique, certainly. Again, Stan Lee has touched, he touched so many lives uh, through his uh, many creations, uh, you know, he, he really changed uh, comic books, him and Jack Kirby with Fantastic Four, he and uh, Stan and Steve Ditko with Spider-Man, uh, other characters include the X-Men, Black Panther, and so on. His career really was, uh, you know, did so many, he accomplished so much, but along the way, you know, he really did save, you could argue, uh, superhero comic books with the dramatic changes he brought about in those books. You know, not everyone was perfect. They had foibles, they had weaknesses, they had uh, challenges in life just like the rest of us. And you saw that certainly with the Fantastic Four. You saw it with Spider-Man, X-Men, and so on. Um, and then he also played a big role in, in transforming uh, the comic book industry itself. Interestingly, <clears throat> his legacy... Uh, was addressed after uh, he passed away uh, by two different authors. If you know, the first person, I'll be able to use the word author a bit loosely, but they're two very different takes, if you will, on Stan Lee that came out recently. One was Bill Maher, um, and the other, uh, Bill Maher on his blog, the real you know, real time with Bill Maher, his HBO show, um, who he basically took a shot at Stan Lee and, uh, and comic books. And then over at uh, National Review, uh, Jibrin Khan wrote a piece uh, about Stan. So these are two very different takes, and I want to touch on these a bit uh, because I think it's worth uh, comparing them and contrasting them. So Mars' piece is just called Adulting. It's a, it's a short piece. I'm going to read two quick... Uh, uh, a, a few quick sentences. So he opens the piece. Now, understand, this is shortly after Stanley passed away. And he writes, he opens it up, the guy who, quote, the guy who created Spider-Man and the Hulk has died, and America is in mourning, deep, deep mourning for a man who inspired millions to, I don't know, watch a movie, I guess? Someone on Reddit posted, quote, I'm so incredibly grateful I lived in a world that included Stan Lee, close quote. Mar continues, personally, I'm grateful I lived in a world that included oxygen and trees, but to each his own. Uh, how very clever of this so-called comedian. That's, that, was my la that was my comment. Uh, later on, Mar finishes his, his little screed with the following. The problem is we're using our smarts on stupid stuff. I, I don't know. He goes, I don't think it's a huge stretch to suggest that Donald Trump could only get elected in a country that thinks comic books are important. Well, actually, Bill, it, it probably is a huge stretch. Um, it would be interesting if he, you know, Marr dealt in more substance, but he rarely does. And perhaps uh, try to explain his argument more. Uh, 
But, you know, I met him actually many years ago at a National Review editorial board lunch that I was invited to. And, you know, at that time, he came across as, there's no other way to put it, but an arrogant asshole, excuse my language. And and I don't think he's changed much. Um, you know, he in this little screed of his, he's, he's basically commenting on something that he knows very little about. Uh, but then again, if you've ever watched his show, that seems to be his forte. Um, and he's just continued his role as kind of a prickly, arrogant lefty. Um, so, you know, why do, why would, and even if you agreed with this point, why would you write it during that time other than to just, you know, gin up controversy, um, and attention? And that's, you know, that's what he does. That's, that's what Bill Maher is all about. Now, uh, the contrast here is with, um, Mr. Khan's piece in National Review. And the piece is titled, Stan the Man Lee Was America's Greatest Writer. Now, that's quite a contrast to what we just, uh, uh, what we just read with, uh, with Bill Maher's piece. So, he makes interesting points, and I, I do want to take a little bit of time to read a, a few of them uh, from Khan. So, at one point he writes, He was America's greatest living writer, and all the more so because he wrote in a low medium. For 12 cents, you could pick up a Marvel comic which paired his keen understanding of human nature with the most memorable characters since Shakespeare. The comic is the most American of art forms, and Lee was its undisputed master. Hard to argue with that, right? Um, you can debate, you know, some people say Shakespeare, but, but think about the characters that Lee created or had a hand in creating, partnering with other people, and how they have come to dominate uh, popular culture in America today. You know, all you have to do is go down the list of Marvel movies, for example, and uh, and their box office blowout numbers and how commonplace um, those characters are now, even among people that, quite frankly, have never picked up a comic book. So, and I like, it's also interesting to point out that Lee worked in a, an area of writing that was for everybody. Um, you know, it was for, for, if you will, I hate to use this phrase, the common man, if you will. Uh, and so many writers, I think intellectuals, uh, poo poo that, but I'll talk a little bit about more, uh, more about that uh, a little later on. Um, he talks about, uh, uh, Spider-Man. He said the fact that Lee, I'm going to quote here again from Conspies, the fact that Lee portrays both sides of the character's life, something that was not limited to Spider-Man alone makes you feel the pain of his sacrifices, even as you know that his need to do the right thing must come first. I didn't have Spider-Man's powers, but Stan made it pretty clear to me and all other kids that if I did, I too would make that hard choice. Maybe the comic book is a morality tale, but that is a tale that we need to keep hearing. And actually, comic books at their best are truly a morality tale. I would agree with that. Uh, I would agree with Mr. Khan's assessment there. Um... He also writes at another point, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, the Hulk, the X-Men, and so many other characters continue to keep their fans' attention as these readers grew from childhood to adolescence to adulthood. This was no accident. From the formative period, these characters who shared a universe evolved and had life-changing experiences. Imagine that. The comic book genre grew um, to appeal to more readers um, and not just being kiddie stuff, if you will, 
Uh, although there's, there's nothing wrong with good kitty comic books to get uh, to get people reading, um, to say the least, get small ones reading. But you know the the, the genre itself developed, and um, and this is something that obviously uh, Bill Maher uh, either chose to ignore, or he uh, is ignorant of. Um, also, another, another uh, paragraph here worth reading from Khan's piece. Today, many people are prone to downplaying Stan's role, but frankly, the sheer volume and consistency of his characters make it clear that there was a common factor. The artists absolutely share credit for coming up with the characters and stories. The likes of Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, Jim Steranko, Bill Everett, John Romita Sr., and many others from the Marvel Age brought something new, and they would continue to produce amazing work, even apart from Stan Lee and Marvel. But Stan worked with all of them, and he was the one who established the norm of crediting comic artists front and center, close quote. Again, he that's a change in the industry that, uh, that Stan Lee brought about uh, in terms of uh, giving credit to everyone involved. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, later on as well. Uh, now, this is this is how he closes out his piece, uh, Khan. And, I, and again, I think it's well worth um, noting. And, and again, it's a strong point, I think. You know, when you first hear it, you might say, whoa. But I think, he, I think it's a strong point. Quote, last week I was asked who I thought was the greatest writer alive. I couldn't think of an answer that evening, but it strikes me now that there was an answer I could have given and been right. But it's one that can't be said anymore. Stan Lee passed away this Monday, and he belongs on the pantheon of America's greatest ever writers. The beloved comic book writer was to the 20th century what Mark Twain was to the 19th. His stamp still firmly on the comics industry that he transformed and the wider entertainment world. Close quote. How many people can say that about their life's work? Uh, very, very few. And I mean very, very few. You know, I think you have to look to names like, um, you know, Walt Disney is one. There aren't too many others. Um, so, uh, you know, I think Khan is right. I think Khan, what's interesting here is this piece was written in National Review. Khan, is Khan, it's a question for me, and it's one that I've been asking as a conservative and a conservative Christian uh, about popular culture and, if you will, intellectual conservatives. Um, does Khan signal an attention to pop culture that many conservatives have shunned in the past? To the detriment, I would say, of conservative ideas and principles uh, reaching out uh, to a wider, wider audience. And, and that I think is, uh, is a healthy development here. It's, it's fascinating to see somebody like Marr, uh, who is a lefty, he's an atheist, uh, attacking Stanley and somebody like Khan at, at the conservative national review, uh, talking about him being one of the greatest American writers. I think that's a healthy development. Um, I think we need to, as conservatives and Christians and conservative Christians, uh, those of us that fall into that area, uh, to serious, more seriously engage um, in, in the battle of ideas, if you will. And it's the battle of ideas is not only is engaged or should be engaged in schools and churches and politics, for example, but in the culture. 
very much including popular culture. You know, if you want to reach most people, then you've got to engage. And I'm saying engage in a positive, creative way, not just as a critic, not just as the grumpy critic, <laughs> uh, but you have to engage the popular culture in a positive way. Um, so I think those are some, it was a, just a fascinating contrast um, that, that struck me in terms of these two pieces about the legacy of, of Stanley. Now, what about lessons uh, for authors and entrepreneurs uh, from Stan the Man Lee? Uh, number one, obviously, creativity and innovation matter. Um, that's what this man's life was about. Uh, and I think it, he's a strong example of, uh, of the role that creativity and innovation play in any kind of business or should play. Uh, and obviously in, in an area like uh, comic books and, and writing and so on. So that's number one, creativity and innovation. High on the, uh, it should always be high on the to-do list for authors and entrepreneurs. Um, there's also a, a quote from Stan um, that reflects the idea of, you know, find out and understand what you're good at, right? Sometimes it takes a long, it, it often takes a long time to figure that out. But it's in the New York Times obituary for Stanley. <clears throat> uh, this this quote from him uh, struck me. First off, the, the the piece says, "As a writer, Mr. Lee could be startlingly, starting, startlingly, startlingly prolific." Easy for me to say. Um, so he quotes Lee uh, saying at one point, "Almost everything I've ever written, I could finish at one sitting. I'm a fast writer. Maybe not the best, but the fastest." You know. It, I'm, that's part, I'm sure, self-deprecating, part, you know, a little pat on the back. But there's a point there. Understand, you know, what you're good at and capitalize on that. Um, and a lot of people have a tough time doing that. Uh, another lesson from Stan that, that so many uh, creative people and entrepreneurs show is that, you know, they are going to be failures along the way. Um, after he left Marvel and, and set up his own shop, uh, the first one, uh, the first business he set up for his own creations, uh, wound up going bankrupt and there were some lawsuits involved. Uh, and the second one, there were controversies as well. It was interesting because somebody said in one of these articles that, you know, Stan, the person viewed it as Stan feeling like he still had to prove himself even after everything that he accomplished. I don't think it was that. I think it was when you when you read how he looked at life and work, he just wanted to continue creating. And he did it through um, these vehicles. But he put, he kept on pushing through, you know, even with those failures. At, and at, a, at an advanced age, uh, he faced failures and he pushed on, on through those failures. Uh, critical to keep in mind. Also, uh, relating to that, that he wanted to keep doing things, we learned from Stan, I think, that time is extremely valuable and don't waste it. Uh, you know, it's another quote from the obituary written by the, uh, uh, the New York Times. Uh, they quote from one of his books, uh, no, from a television documentary on him. And he, uh, Stanley said, you know, I, from 2010, he said, I want to do more movies, I want to do more television, more DVDs, more multisodes. I want to do more lecturing, I want to do more of everything I'm doing. The only problem is time. I just wish there were more time. A lot of people 
you know, our mortality, you know, we're all human and therefore we stare at our mortality. Um, it's interesting though, that, you know, towards the end of his life, if you will, I mean, at this point he was in his late eighties, Stan wasn't saying that with regret. Stan was saying that still looking forward. That's a great lesson, right? He's just like, I want more time. I want more time to do all these great things that are in my head and get them out and, and great things that I've been doing and continue doing them and, and try new things. And that's fantastic. I mean, think about that. How many people, that was 2010, right? So, you know, he was roughly 87 at the time. How many 87-year-olds do you know that are saying such things? And that's fantastic, and it's a great lesson. Um, the next group of lessons came from a piece that I, I came across uh, in the Wall Street Journal. Um, written by uh, Jeremy Dauber and Danny Fingeroth. Uh, it's from the November 16th Wall Street Journal. It's an essay called The Superhero of the Comics Business. And I think authors and author entrepreneurs um, can benefit tremendously uh, from reading this piece. And I'm going to touch on four points. Uh, and I'm going to read four points from these two gentlemen because they're well worth reading. Uh, first, <clears throat> uh, first one from the piece. Lee was keenly aware of the economic realities of, in, of his industry. He knew that the comics Marvel published had to be good, but they also needed to be promoted. In the 1960s, Marvel was a small company with only two full-time employees and no publicity department, so Lee set, out, set about doing the publicity himself and in the process transformed the business of comics promotion you have to promote your work um there it is i mean he knew the comics that marvel produced had to be good but you know what if you didn't tell anybody about it so what uh, at least in terms of being in business so this is a clear example of the need for especially indie authors to embrace the promotion and marketing aspect of things uh number two uh, and i read from the piece here again according to a story that Lee often told, he realized that older people were also reading comics when he heard from some Columbia University students that the Hulk was their dorm mascot. He sees the market opportunity becoming the first comic book creator to do personal appearances at colleges all over the country. Marvel was no longer just trying to appeal to children. For a few years, it aimed to create lifelong fans. There, there it is. Stan was not only doing that, he was doing it with his stories, and he was doing it on the business end of things. He was taking comics to audiences of all ages, if you will. make Again, creating lifelong fans. That truly was transformative for the comic book industry. And he identified, he saw this market, he seized on it. He was like, look at these letters I'm getting from college students. There's something here that we're missing. And he went out and took advantage of it. Um, it was a tremendous marketing uh, market opportunity, and he seized it. Um, so, good example there, great lesson. That's the, you know, all author you think I I do this myself. It's like okay, I've identified certain markets that might be interested in my books, and I'm constantly thinking, who else? Who else can I possibly reach out to that would hopefully be interested? Uh, whether it's in my Pastor Stephen Grant novels or in uh, in my uh, my, uh, my to-do list book and so on. So you have to be constantly thinking about uh, new market opportunities. 
Slide number three. Uh, and it's related. Lee took Marvel's college-age readers and shaped them into a community whose core identity had to do with buying Marvel comics. He worked with many writers and artists who earned their living in advertising, or hoped to. Marvel offices from the late 1950s to the early 1980s were on Madison Avenue. And he adopted the latest branding strategies, turning Marvel merchandise like T-shirts and posters into must-have items. In the 1960s, buying Marvel Comics merchandise became a sign that you were with it, in the know. Just like listening to an album by Mike Nichols uh, and Elaine May or reading a novel by Kurt Vonnegut. You get the point, right? There's, again, um, the idea of branding um, and, and taking that, you know, taking a branding strategy and going out there into the marketplace and ex- again, expanding the reach of your books, your products. Uh, so great, another great lesson there from Stan the Man Lee. Uh, and the last point that I want to highlight from this piece, and again, I would definitely advise that you read it over at the Wall Street Journal. Uh, I quote here again, Lee was also a pioneer in turning Marvel's writers and artists into personalities in their own right. By bestowing nicknames on those who made the comics and relating anecdotes about them, he created the image of a band of merry pranksters and outsiders. Formerly anonymous creators whose signatures were tucked in the corner of a page, many became beloved, idiosyncratic figures with their own followings. Lee thus set the stage for the rise of the individual creative entrepreneurs in comics, which would lead to huge changes in profit-sharing and intellectual property rights. So there you go. It's not, it isn't just, for example, if you're an author, it's not just your books, it's you. And, you know, Stan caught on to this very early on, right? Forming a community. And now we have social media where technology has provided this powerful tool for us to, to expand this community and to make it easier to form. Um, and so engaging with the community, with your readers, however you want to refer to them, your friends, your fans, so on and so on. That is a tremendous opportunity. Stan Lee understood that. Uh, He made it happen. And again, he provides a tremendous example uh, for uh, the rest of us uh, today. So, um, the other uh, point, you know, well... So there's some great things that that Stan offers in terms of uh, lessons for authors and entrepreneurs. You know what, when you look, again, coming back to him and his achievements, you know, think about it, his creations are going to live on far beyond his his years, and they're going to continue to entertain and inspire uh, generations to come. And that's really quite uh, profound, uh, quite an achievement um, there's, I'm going to, again, read from a New York, the New York Times obituary, just a couple of spots. And think about this, you know, how would you like the, you know, the New York Times writing this in your obituary? But the piece opens, if Stanley revolutionized the comic book world in the 1960s, which he did, he left as big a stamp, maybe bigger, on the even wider pop culture landscape of today. True. Later on, it continues, of all that entertainment product, and they were talking about Spider-Man, Iron Man, Black Panther, Hulk, X-Men, Thor, etc., etc. If all that entertainment product can be traced to one person, it would be Stan Lee. 
Uh, and it continues, From a cluttered office on Madison Avenue in Manhattan in the 1960s, he helped conjure a lineup of Pulp Fiction heroes that has come to define much of popular culture in the early 21st century. Mr. Lee was a central player in the creation of those characters and more, all properties of Marvel Comics. Indeed, he was for many the embodiment of Marvel, if not comic books in general, overseeing the company's emergence as an international media behemoth. A writer, editor, publisher, Hollywood executive, and tireless promoter of Marvel and of himself, he played a critical role in what comics fans <coughs> excuse me, call uh, the medium's silver age. I need a drink. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> I wasn't getting emotional, although I'm emotional about Stan. It was just uh, something in my throat. Anyway, so think about that. That's from uh, the New York Times uh, obituary. So all, <clears throat> all I could say is, you know, I'm going to quote Stan. As Stan would say, Excelsior. Folks, thanks for tuning in. Please like us on Facebook at Realistic Optimist To Do, at Pastor Stephen Grant Novels, and at Authors and Entrepreneurs. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Please tune in to another podcast of mine, Free Enterprise in Three Minutes. <clears throat> Again, you can listen and subscribe at iTunes. Again, the Realistic Optimist to-do list in calendar 2019 is available at Amazon.com <clears throat> and at RayKeatingOnline.com. Uh, my <clears throat> worst thing to happen during a podcast, right? <clears throat> and my past receiving grant novels, including most recent Reagan Country, Heroes and Villains, and Shifting Sands, as well as <clears throat> my business career book, Check First of the Business World, are available in paperback. And for the Kindle at Amazon.com, <clears throat> please check out DisneyBizJournal.com and the related Facebook page. And until the next installment of Ray Keating's Authors and Entrepreneurs Podcast, enjoy reading, enjoy writing, and enjoy entrepreneurship. God bless and take care.